I know that in the uh, 20 years that uh, I've been here, almost 22 years, started Redeemer. I know I have said this before, but I want to say it uh, again. Uh, one of the most, uh, the most profound things I heard uh, in my three years at seminary, at Covenant Seminary, uh, was probably on my first uh, day of class. It was, uh, uh, it was said by Dr. John Sanderson, who's now with the Lord, very godly man. It was a class called Hermeneutics. Uh, but here's what he said, and I want you to think about it as we come to our text this morning. Uh, he said, gentlemen, you are what you think about God. Now, how do you find out who you are? How do you know what your identity is? And, uh, and you know what he said is true. The more we understand who God is, that he can wear all the attributes at one time, his, his love and his justice, uh, his, mercy and his mercy and his wrath. He can wear them all infinitely, eternally, and interchangeably at the same time. But the more you understand God for who he is, as he understands himself, the more you're going to move toward him. And so, really, what we're going to talk about in our text today, and it's James' last, it's the last sermon on James. It's the last two verses of James. And what's very interesting about this uh, last two verses is there are no salutations, there's no benediction, there's a stern warning. And the warning is there are two kind of people here at Redeemer this morning. There are those who are moving away from God and the gospel. And then there are those, as they move toward Christ, move toward those who are moving away. They get involved in their lives. And this is what James is going to talk about today. And so I want us to read these two verses and pray. And uh, let's see what God would have to say to us today as we close the book of James. James chapter 5. Verses 19 and 20. My brothers, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. It's God's word. Let's pray together. Father, anytime we sit under the preaching of the word, uh, it's always a, a call to believe and submit, or the only other alternative is our hearts just continue uh, to grow hard and move away from you. And Father, the reality is many of us who are believers and actually know Christ can be moving away from you. And Lord, it's because we've forgotten who you are and how awesome you are, how loving and merciful, how tender you are. And we move away from you because we think we can do a much better job of running our lives because there is a little bit more comfort than Christ's call to the cross to put sin to death and to grow in holiness, or to put it another way, to become more and more like Christ to our spouses and to our children and to our parents, to those that we work with and go to school with. So, Father, we confess to you that our hearts are prone to wonder. And I pray for any who are here today that are beginning to deny the faith or for all practical purposes are... um, 
practical atheists when it comes to living their lives. So, Lord, would you speak to us today? Would you give us the grace, if we're moving away from you, that you would turn our hearts to you and that we would repent and turn to Christ? And, Father, for us uh, who um, are part of the family of God, that we must understand we cannot sit by and say we are moving toward you if we're not moving toward those who are moving away to win them back. So, Lord, help us understand your word and your grace that we find here in your word that you pursue us and you use one another, uh, each of us, uh, to do that work. And we ask it in your name and for your sake. Amen. Uh, There is quite a difference between being a fan and a player, right? A fan identifies with a team while a player is part of the team. You're part of the team. You're on the team. You're out there sweating. In most cases, a fan support of a team usually goes up or down based on whether that team is winning or not. I'm actually keeping up with the Braves this year. Not so much last year. Not a player. Uh, they, they are committed to that team, win or lose, because they're on that team. They have made a commitment to that team. A, a fan can, is a spectator, right? They're, they're watching from the comfort of their living room. But a player is actually out there participating on the field with possibility of, of injury or being hurt. And not only that, but they have been practicing for hours and hours for the opportunity to play on that field. In fact, I remember uh, two-a-days. We used to call them two-a-days because we'd practice twice in, uh, in the August when it was about 100 degrees. And boy, we weeded the players out pretty quick because they didn't, they, they didn't care about participating because practice was too hard. Well, we've been studying the book of James And James is writing to churches that are newly formed. And what I mean by that, they've only been formed in the last 20 or 30 years since the resurrection of Christ. When Christ was raised from the dead, he gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is converting people. They're coming to Christ. And yes, these children are in the covenant. They're part of the visible church. But ultimately, God uh, uh, brings his kingdom through the visible church, through those who are in the invisible church, through those who receive the Holy Spirit who've been converted and transformed. And so James is concerned, though, that there are those who are beginning to to slide out the door. And again, the church wasn't there for 2,000 years like it is now. We just go to church and think, well, we're part of the church, and we got a church, got the Presbyterian church, Methodist church, Catholic church, whatever it may be. But no, these these folks are brand new into this, but then uh, to live out the faith as God requires, takes commitment. Uh, Jesus said, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian this morning, and the Spirit of God has worked in you, you're to deny yourself, take up your cross every day and follow Christ. Now, one of the ways that you see that in your own life, and you can't get around this, is participation in the body of Christ. 
You just can't get around that. You cannot say, well, I'm a spiritual person. I believe in Jesus. And I have my walk with him. But I don't need religion. I don't need the visible church. It just doesn't work that way. So James, in his letter, is concerned about those who once had professed their faith in Christ. But they're beginning to move away. Now, there's all kind of ways that can happen. Because you see, as I said earlier, uh, you're either moving toward Christ, and the reason you would be is because you're growing in Christ. And it's becoming more and more reality. And the certainties of the resurrection of Christ are beginning to enter into your life and through your life into the lives of other people. Or you believe the right things, but you think a whole lot more about your retirement than you do the kingdom of God. You think a whole lot more about uh, maybe uh, upgrading your home. And all, by the way, all these things are fine. Trust me, they're fine. I, I mean, I'd like to upgrade a little bit. But that, but that cannot be at the expense of, wait a minute, I can't think about my life apart from Jeff Allen on the second row. Apart from Caleb back there on about the seven, eight row back there. They were kind of all in this together. And so that's exactly what James is concerned about in this book. And so he ends and he says, and maybe you're the one who says, well, you know, I'm not concerned about that. I'm fine. I'm doing good. I'm moving toward Jesus Christ. Well, notice in verse 19 he says this, My brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth. You know, you know what that means? That just doesn't mean the people on the fringes. That might very well mean you who right now you're going, man, I, this, is the, this is the way I believe this is where I'm headed. He's addressing pastors. I have many of my friends who are in the ministry who are no longer in the ministry. I have friends of mine who were better theologians than I, than, I, than myself who now have wandered away from the faith and they deny the faith. And so James is concerned about that. Matter of fact, you see this throughout the New Testament. If you just read a little bit of the New Testament, for those who are going, I want to know exactly what this Christian life is all about, Paul tells us about Demas, who wandered from the faith because he loved this world more than the, than the truth. He loved the world. He loved gold. He loved the things of this world more than he loved the truth. He began to slide out the door. And then we uh, have Judas, who we all know was with Jesus for three years, saw miracles. Judas himself was participating in the mission of the church. He was actually casting out demons. But because he loved money and because he was greedy, and there Jesus Christ is right before him, he denies the faith. Hebrews warns Jewish Christians that we are not to start and then to stop. For he says it is impossible in the case of those who've once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and then, have, uh, have, then fall away. 
to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm. Now, I could give you many other verses, but time does not allow me to do that. But even Jesus, we know this, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this, didn't I do that? And he will say, depart from me because I never knew you. Because you see, ultimately, it's not the things that we do, it's the person we know. And if we know him, then he says we're to love each other. Right? We're to be involved in the lives of others within the body of Christ. And so I would say a minimum of what it means to be moving toward Christ is that we're moving toward one another, not away from each other. So before I give you kind of the proposition of what I want to talk to you about this morning, I just want to ask this question to you. I mean, it's only fair that I do this for everybody in, in, sitting here. Uh, where are you in that process? Uh, is everything that you're doing, and this is the way I think the Bible teaches you should do it, because God, we're here to glorify God. We're, we're here to do everything for His glory, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do the glory of God. Not just going to Bible studies, not just coming here on Sunday morning, but you bring your work and your creativity and everything to Him because He loves you and He cares for you. And so everything that we do is to His glory. And if we're to live for His glory, the minimum is that we do this together because God has ordained the church. That means me and you. He has ordained the church to bring the kingdom of God to the world. Do you know why Downtown Academy is right here in the back? It's, not, it's, not, it's no longer a ministry of Redeemer. But it started out of Redeemer because Christians here together said, here are our neighbors right across the street. We need to be involved in the lives of our neighbors. And we do it together. So here's what I, I want us to look at just for, for our remaining moments. To be united to Christ is to be united to one another and the purposes of God in the world through us. Now, you know, now if, if, if what I'm saying is like, okay, yeah, I get it, I get it but, uh, but that's not really occurring in your life. I'm just telling you, according to what we're going to look at, you have to ask yourself some serious questions about what does it mean to be a believer. It means to participate. So here's the, here's the two things to see this morning. Is, first is this. We're to be careful not to wander away from Jesus Christ. I don't know how else to look at it in, in our text. That's the first thing. And the second thing uh, is we're to encourage one another to persevere in our walk with Jesus Christ. And that means we're to care for each other. So if you're already thinking, well, I'm not sure if this uh, is going to be real practical for me because I'm not doing it, uh, then I, I would encourage you to think about what God's Word says. And here's the first thing. Uh, we're to be careful not to wander away from Jesus Christ. In fact, I would say this. If you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I think sometimes He allows us to wander, to be honest with you. I mean, think about it this way. If he sustains us and he, the whole creation by the word of his power, 
And sometimes we forget that. I think God actually allows us to wonder. The, the Westminster Confession says that God in his providence sometimes hides himself uh, in order that we might once again see the corruption of our own heart and a closer dependence upon him in all situations. But notice what he says in verse 19. Uh, my brothers, if any among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. The sinner. If you see someone wondering and, and, and you see them sinning and you bring the sinner back, you have won him from death. Well, who's the sinner? You are. If anyone. I am. Your pastor is a sinner. My, the pastor's wife is a sinner. Our elders are sinners. Our deacons, our women's leadership, our Sunday school uh, teachers, they're sinners. And so, so James is basically saying that this thing can happen to any of us. And it might be happening to you right now. There might be a sense of, of kind of not moving toward Christ and his glory and toward the church and toward one another, but, but to move away from him and moving away from one another. In fact, I can tell you this. <laughs> if I don't see you at church on a fairly regular basis, chances are you're not doing well. That's just the way. I'm not saying you're, you haven't been sick. I'm not saying you haven't been on vacation. But I will tell you this. If you're somewhat... And matter of fact, I was reading uh, a report not long ago that said that they consider a committed church member someone who goes every two weeks. So that's our culture's definition of commitment. They go every couple times a month. But we're all sinners, and our tendency is to wonder to do our own thing. To do the things that we long to do. Now, if you're going to appreciate what James is ending with, he's talking about us. Last week, uh, and you don't have to turn there because you might not have your Bible anyway, he says this Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed that the person may be restored. In this case, one who is healed from moving toward spiritual death, a cancer that begins to come into that person. So we're to confess our sins to one another. Let me ask you, when was the last time you got together and somebody said, hey man, I need to confess something to you? In fact, I would suggest that the Bible teaches that God lives in a high and holy place in Isaiah 57. An unapproachable light but he also dwells with those who are broken and contrite. God loves to be with us at Redeemer if we are confessing our sins and we're saying, hey, brother, I forgive you. Uh, I need your forgiveness. I mean, for crying out loud, how can we be married for years and years? How can you be married and say you're a Christian? When's the last time you told your husband 
Please forgive me, I'm sorry. When's the last time you said to your wife, honey, I was, I was harsh. You know what? I was only thinking of myself. I was being really stupid. Would you please forgive me? You know how often that ought to take place? Fairly regularly. Now, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says that this is the reason that we are not to be unequally yoked. Uh, and let's see where I can find it here in my notes because I, I typed it out here. Yeah, he says, he says that we are, what, what, what does, the, does the light have to do with darkness? And let me find, I want to read it to you. I want to make sure I get it right here. I got it somewhere on here. Ah, here we go. The, re- the reason I wrote this down is because I started thinking about my relationship with Mary Beth. I started thinking about why I married her. Oh, well, I was a believer. I wanted to marry a believer. But one of the reasons I wanted to marry Mary Beth is if she's a believer, then my wife understood that she is a sinner and she needs Christ. And, and she marries me because she knows that I know my deep need for Jesus Christ. And so if you're not married and you want to marry, it's very important that you marry someone that you can have fellowship with, someone that you can confess your sins to one another, someone that you don't have to hide from each other. And so this is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What partnership is righteousness with, the law, with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord is Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? And so one of the great blessings in my marriage, and it'll be 40 years, June the 10th, but one of the great things is to be married to a woman who sees her own sin before she sees mine. Uh, hopefully what's a blessing to her is rather than always demanding that she's meeting my needs, that she has a husband says, Honey, listen, I'm sorry. But the reason that we can do that is because we have fellowship with God. And so we have fellowship with one another. Now let me ask you this. Do you know that the, the church is called the bride of Christ? That Jesus marries his church. Because he wants, first off, us as individual people to know this. If you're not a Christian, you need to hear this because it's the greatest news in the world that Jesus Christ came for the bride that no one wanted. If you know Christ, you're united to him. And you know his forgiveness. And you have fellowship with him. And if you walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. But if we... So we have no sin. The truth is not in us. Our hearts harden and we go further into darkness. And so we're married to one another as believers when you take vows to the church. And the vow that you take uh, to the church is that we are going to be part of each other. You're not members of First Baptist. You're not members of the First Methodist Church. Uh, and you're not members of some other church. You're members here and we've taken vows here. Right? Do you remember that? You remember the vows you took? Well, let me remind you of the vows. Notice, uh, 
Do you resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ? Do you remember that vow? Todd, you just talked about, I think it was you, we're supposed to be improving upon our baptism, right? Because we're setting these children apart to be the Lord's. But we know unless the Holy Spirit works in them, they will remain baptized in members of the visible church. But they'll never be members of one another by the Spirit. But you see, when that child comes to Christ or when you're regenerate and you're made alive and you're made new, you know what? Not only do you have fellowship with Christ, not only do you have fellowship with God, but now you have fellowship with one another. And that's why James is exhorting those who are beginning to wander away. Matter of fact, most commentators think that's why he wrote the, the whole book is because of the last two verses. To regain those who are wandering away because Christianity is too hard. It's too difficult. So, the other vow. Do you promise to support its church and its worship and work to the best of your ability? Do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to study its purity and its peace? Well, how are we going to do that if we don't know each other? Right, first, there's so many verses that are in the scripture that tell us, uh, forgive one another, love one another, encourage each other. But if we don't know each other, then we don't have to do that, do we? We just go to church on Sunday and then we leave. But we're never enough in each other's lives enough to know the pain and the suffering and the sin of other people. Now, I, I really, look, I'm a Presbyterian, okay? But I'm a Christian first. And the Presbyterian Church didn't even start till, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years later. You could say, well, yes, it was Presbyterian in the beginning. But here's the bottom line. Is, is if you read the New Testament, those people were involved in each other's lives, weren't they? Were they involved in each other's lives? And so what happens is we, we begin to move away from life in the body of Christ and the church is what God has ordained to bring the kingdom of God. And we end up start being doctrinal people. This is what we believe as Presbyterians. We believe in the sovereignty of God. We believe in election. Uh, and then maybe the reason some of you really like going to Reformed churches is because, you know what, it satisfies your intellectual questions. But let me ask you this. Are you involved in the lives of other people? Because, you see, if you're not, you know what James says is going to happen? You're wondering if you're, you're wandering away from Christ because to be united to him is to be united to each other. Now, time does not afford me to go over the parable of the sower. But that's his first warning. And so uh, before I come to the, the second point, I just, just want to ask you this right now. Are you moving toward Christ or away from Christ? Because you see, to move toward him is to love him. To love him is to love other sinners because he loves you as a sinner. Now, if I've lost you at this point, if this is like white noise to you, the first thing I would encourage you is just, just say, hey, Lord, you know, I, if that's true, I want to know you that way. I want you in my life that way. I don't want to live by a set of rules. I, don't want, I want someone who has a relationship with me, though I'm a sinner. Well, we come to the second point, and the second point is really moving toward us as believers who are concerned about those who are moving away from the truth. 
So notice what he says. Verse 19. Uh, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So what does that mean? Well, what it means is this. We can't just focus on our own walk with Christ. We can't focus in on our own walk walk with Christ. We need to be focused in on everybody else's walk. You say, I'm my brother's keeper. Wasn't that what Cain said to Abel? I mean, to God? Where's your brother? Well, I'm my brother's keeper. Well, Cain is the great picture of a person who is not hooked up to God. Somebody who wants to live their own life. And it's amazing, is it not, how we live in a culture where everybody lives their lives in quiet desperation, disconnected from husband, disconnected from wife, disconnected from your sons and daughters, children disconnected from your parents. You go to school, but you're disconnected. But you see, here's the beauty of what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. Not only are we connected to him and we're focused on our own walk with him, but you begin, one of the signs that you're growing in Jesus Christ is that you're concerned about other people. I mean, I spend a lot of time, I'm just going to be honest with you, I spend a lot of time worrying about people. It's just like, uh, you riding down the road and I've been thinking, man, I haven't seen them in a while. Man, I feel terrible. I haven't called them. Uh, we have people who are shut-ins. and for, for, Next thing I know, it's, it's a month has gone by. And I haven't gone to pursue them. I'm a minister of the gospel. But what's very interesting here is he tells Who is to go after these people? Pastors? Elders? It says, is any of you see someone wondering? You know what that means? I think it means you. Because you see, if all of us as believers and see our value that we have in Christ, that we all have the Holy Spirit, right? You have the Holy Spirit. It's not just this intellectual thing, but you have the Spirit of God. Then there are people that you sit around, maybe in this section over here. Most everybody sits in the same place. It's fascinating to me. That would drive me crazy, but, you know, I have to sit there. But you're looking at the people around you, and then you're going, hey, I haven't seen them. And I've already learned their name because I want to know them. Why do you want to know these people? Because Jesus does. Right? He knows your name. And so, you know, I, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. I wonder what's going on. Let me tell you if you hadn't seen them in a while. I'm going to tell you what's going on. Probably a lot of sin. And James is encouraging each of us as believers to go after one another. Now, do you do that? In fact, I would say if you're doing that, If you're getting involved in the lives of people, it's like, man, I hate to have to confront you about this. But you know what? According to James, you see that they are going to die. I'm going to tell you something. If you're outside of Jesus Christ this morning and you don't repent and return to your baptism if you've been baptized, your death is a second death. It is eternal death. 
And James is saying that we as believers should go after those people because we understand that in our own life and that we pursue them. Let me tell you something. When things get to me, or they come to the session, by the time they get to me, that marriage is falling apart, it's, it's almost always too late. But you see, it wouldn't be, it's not just the responsibility of the elders and the pastors to be going after people. It is the responsibility of believers to care for one another. Can y'all agree with that? We should love each other. Now, notice what he says, and I conclude on this. Conclude on this. Notice he says, you, you cover a multitude of sins. Um, oh, well, let me read the verse just to get it right exactly. He says, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Well, does this saying a person can lose their salvation? No. If Christ died for you, he finished the work. Let me encourage you something. But you see, assurance of salvation comes when you're growing in Christ, when you're pursuing other people. But what does it mean that you cover a multitude of sins? We see that's exactly what Christ has done. You know, we, we were wandering away, right? No, there's none who seeks after God, no, not one. And God sent his son into the world, and he pursued us, and he runs us down, convinces us of our need, and he covers us through his blood shed on the cross. He's running after us. You have the prodigal son, the father, running after the son who's coming back, and that should be our attitude. Does Jesus cover all your sins? Does he cover all your sins? If you're in Christ, are you going to heaven right now? Don't care what you do tomorrow. Are you? But there are those who are wandering away, which is a sign that they never believed in the first place. And we should take that same gospel to those people and bring them back to the fold. Can't do that if you're not involved in the body of Christ. You're not participating. You know, I'll close on this. Look, the reason Christianity doesn't make a lot of sense to some of you, and you hear me say this stuff, and you're just kind of like, yeah, I'm just saying, maybe, can it possibly be because you're not born again? Is it possible that maybe you've never really surrendered your life to Christ? And you might say, well, I had that experience, I did, and I walked with the Lord for a long time. Well, you know what I'm concerned about? I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about whether you're moving toward Christ this morning. Because that's the only way we ultimately know if you put your faith and trust in Christ. Have you done that? Are there those who are hurting at Redeemer that you need to pursue? That you need to call to this afternoon and say, you know what? I'm concerned about you. Then do it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And as we come to the table, we come as the body. We come as your people to receive from you so that we might give to others. So bless, uh, bless us, O oh Lord. Forgive us our sins. We're so prone to wonder. But we thank you that you will always pursue us. Teach us in pursuing us that we pursue others. In Christ's name, amen.